0: motivated by the sense that that sin is dragging me further and further away from a holy God, I call out to him and I say, awaken me, bring me back, do what only you can do. Purge me from this sin that is destroying my intimacy. That's what the Holy Spirit does in seasons of revival. He convicts and he brings us to repentance. That is the sign of genuine revival.
1: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We're so glad you've joined us today as we introduce a series from Pastor Trent called Awakenings with the message, The Marks of Genuine Revival. Listen with me as Pastor Trent identifies seven characteristics seen biblically and historically when God moves his people in spiritual revival. Here's Pastor Trent.
0: So we're starting this new series entitled Awakenings, and the reason we're starting it is because I believe that God is doing something of an awakening here in Indiana, and so I really think it's important for us to see what biblical and historical revival really looks like. So what are we talking about? Let's look at it here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. It says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord... Do I fear? I know that has a period at the end of it, but when I read it, I just kind of see a question right there. I've heard the report of you and your work, but do I fear when I hear that report? In the midst of the years, revive it. There's our word. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So Habakkuk was a prophet, and we don't know a whole lot about Habakkuk. He just Kind of takes up about three pages in our Bibles, and yet he was a man that God raised up to speak to the moral and spiritual decline that was happening among God's people. These people once were faithful people that worshiped God and God alone, and yet they had strayed into compromise and apathy and gotten their eyes off of God and began to worship other things, and their love had grown cold, and their sin had become great and anytime that happens do you know what god does he raises up a prophet and habakkuk was the prophet to speak into the nation of ancient israel god's people at this time and this was his prayer he said lord i have heard the report of you and your work do i fear that's a prayer that you and i need to pray We need to become aware of the work of God. Um, So here's the first prayer we're going to pray. The prayer is this, awaken me to the revival history before me. Are you aware of the work that God has done in Biblical times and even in American history, that has been a work of revival. What is this work that he's talking about here? I've heard of the report of you, your work. Well, God's greatest work is a work of revival, it is simply God-commanding life where He sees only death. God does that initially when we come to faith, when He awakens our faith to Christ and we surrender to the Lordship of Christ at that initial point of salvation. But even at seasons during our individual lives and certainly collectively as nations and communities and families and even churches, there is a time, a season where God must do a work of revival. And He's done that in so many places. God does a work to reverse the work of man. When man works evil, God works revival. God has worked to rescue men from the enslaving power of sin. God does a work of revival when He breathes life into cold, lifeless religion that's become stale and like a formula. That's what God does in seasons of revival. What is revival? I think, first of all, we need to realize what revival is not. First of all, revival is not evangelism, okay? Revival is not evangelism. Secondly, revival is not excitement, you can get a charismatic speaker that engages you and tells great stories and and even tells you about some amazing things, and yet that's not an indication that God's doing a work of revival. Revival is not an experience. A lot of times, quote-unquote, revivals are coincided with a lot of stories of visions and dreams and pew-hopping and people rolling down the aisles and laughing and... Barking like a dog and foaming at the mouth and being bopped on the head and slain in the spirit. All those different things. it's like, is that revival? Is that really what biblical and historical revival looks like? That's not revival. Revival is not evangelism. It's not excitement. It's not an experience. So what is revival? Well, at its very core, to revive means to bring back to life, right? Now, listen, revival is something that a person who is not a Christian cannot experience. A person who has never surrendered to Christ doesn't need revival. They need revival. Revival is for those who have already come to Christ. It's people who have... Surrender to Christ. These are Christians who have declined in their passion for God. So revival is a reawakening of passions that have been lost. And it produces extraordinary results. Things happen like husbands loving their wives and wives respecting their husbands and teenagers responding to the authority of their parents and people actually taking things back that they have and making restitution and confession of sin that has been hidden and a new passion for prayer. All these things are things that God does in extraordinary ways. The best definition of revival I've ever heard comes from John Piper, pastor in Minnesota, and he says it like this. Revival is a sovereign work of God to awaken His people with fresh intensity to the truth and the glory of God. He awakens us to the ugliness of sin, the horror of hell, the preciousness of Christ's atoning work, the wonder of salvation by grace through faith, the urgency of holiness and witness, and the sweetness of worship with God's people. That's the kind of Christianity that we all long for. The question is, have you heard of it? Does it bring you to your knees when that kind of intensity is missing? Does it drive you to pray, Lord, awaken me to what once was so intense and so passionate in my soul? There was a generation that had seen the work of God. But Judges chapter 2 tells us that there was a generation that had not communicated the works of God. Judges chapter 2, verse 10 says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Do you know what that means? Gathered to their fathers? Dead. That easy translation right there, okay? There's a generation that's dead, gone in the grave. Next, who's next? Here's the next generation. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that the Lord had done for Israel. Part of our problem is thinking that the kind of Christianity that we see around us, that is stale and cold and lifeless and so hard to get people to respond to, we think that's normal. That's not normal. That is abnormal. What we saw earlier is normal. That's normal. And that's what we want to get back to in seasons of revival. Awaken me to the revival history before me. Here's the second prayer we can pray. Awaken me to the spiritual emergency around me. Now, I could spend a lot of time telling you about the moral decline. There's hatred in the streets. There's bitterness in families. There's divorce. There's abortion. There's pornography. There's unbridled sexuality. We, we've seen. All you have to do is turn on the news. To see that basically every news broadcast is broadcasting a spiritual emergency going on in our country. And the root of all of it is the fact that we have forsaken God. Habakkuk said it this way, In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. What's he talking about? He's talking about his years. It's been years since we've seen that kind of work of God. As a matter of fact, it's been about 158 years since America has seen its last national spiritual awakening. I like the way the NIV says it. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. Do among us, the message says, what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. God, I am not content to live with subpar experiences with you. God, I want to know you. I want to see happen in my day what I read about happening in days gone by. That's part of our prayer. Part of revival history is knowing how God works in revival. It if we charted it it would look like this if you study the pages of scripture if you look in the pages of your history book what you find is that what is normal is that the church is to be on mission in worship with god where there is no barrier between us and him we are living we are living passionately pursuing the holiness of christ and it's affecting how we live that's normal But what happens is in seasons, we begin to lose our passion for Christ. We begin to compromise. We fall in love with other idols. We believe other things will satisfy, and we go into a season of decline. Do you know what happens after that? Discipline and judgment. Anybody ever had a spanking from God that got your attention and redirected your course of action? God does that individually. He also does that with people, churches, nations. And there are nations that no longer exist because they went into decline and did not respond to the loving discipline of the hand of God. Here's the good news. When God begins to bring judgment, His people begin to cry up. You say, you mean cry out? No, cry up. We come back to the Lord and acknowledge in desperation we've lost our passion, we've lost our holiness, we do not have the influence we once had, and there is a tidal wave of sin coming over us. God, we're desperate, we need your help, we're longing for your word to be once again restored in our lives. And we begin to confess our sin. And then God brings revival, a new work, a new life in the church. And what he does among his people spills over into the community, into awakening. And all of a sudden, when we're out talking to other people about this passion we have for Jesus, all of a sudden they're looking at us and like, tell me more about that. Not because of the persuasiveness of our words, but because of the persuasiveness of our lives. They say, I don't know what you have, but I'm interested. And all of a sudden, we've got influences in places we never had before. Not because of a lack of information, but because of a lack of authenticity in our lives. And that puts us right back where we should be, in worship and on mission with God. You see that cycle in every revival story in Scripture. You see it in American history. What's happening today? I noticed an article came out this week, the Pew Research Institute... Came out with a report on American Christianity, and guess what they discovered? Christianity is dying. Does that shock anybody? Does that shock you? This is what they found. They found that 78, the, the, five years ago, 78% of people in America identified themselves as Christians. Okay? Now, when somebody tells you they're a Christian, do you understand that not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian? A lot of times when people say I'm a Christian, what they mean is I'm an American or they mean, I'm not Muslim, I'm not a Mormon, I must be a Christian. And so not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian, but five years ago, 78% of the people in America said, I'm a Christian. Today, 71% of people. So a 7% decrease in five years. And they said, well, there you go, Christianity's dying. But they went a little further into their research, and do you know what they discovered? That people that actually believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God? People who actually have had a conversion experience surrendering their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and are not ashamed to tell people about it? People that are actually in Bible-preaching, gospel-centered churches? Those people in America are actually growing in number. So do you know what that, that shows? Nominal Christians and churches that do not believe in the lordship of christ and the authority of his word those churches are dying and good riddance to those churches and those nominal christians but in the heart of people that god has called there is a work of revival going on and i believe that we're a part of that and so we need to awaken to the spiritual emergency that drives us to the heart of god And God always has a remnant. Here's the third prayer that we can pray. Awaken me to the severe mercy in front of me. What's coming? Look at the last part of this verse. In wrath, remember mercy. Does it surprise you to see those two words in the same sentence? Wrath and mercy? The message says it this way. As you bring judgment, as surely you must, remember mercy. God must punish sin because God is too holy to overlook it. And so when judgment comes, do you understand that judgment is actually a mercy gift from God? When God is finished with a nation, He simply steps back and withdraws and leaves that nation to itself. But when God loves enough and has enough mercy to bring pain corrective pain, that's when He's trying to get our attention. Do you think it's too late for America to experience revival? Think it's too late? Look at this verse in Jeremiah, verse eighteen, chapter 18, verses 7 and 8. He says, If I at any time, I love that, at any time, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up, break down, and destroy it. Do you know that God at times has plucked up broken down and destroyed entire people groups because of their disobedience to Him. And God even at times will use more ungodly people to destroy less ungodly people. That's revival history. And yet, if God announces He's going to pluck up, break down and destroy, this verse says, if that nation concerning which I have spoken, turns from its evil. I will relent and of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And so there's still time for you and I and this church and our community, this nation, to repent so that God will relent of the disaster that He had planned. So what does it look like? What would happen if revival would take place in our country. There are seven things that historically you can find in every great awakening. Here's the first one. When revival comes, God's Word will be exalted over man's experience. God's Word will be exalted and authoritative over man's experience. Revival at its very essence is obedience to the Word of God. And yet so many times we don't think this book is sufficient. We're out there seeking a vision or a dream or a prophetic utterance or a word from God. Listen, if we were more familiar with the Word of God, we would be less interested in a word from God. God has spoken in His Word. Revival at its very essence is a return to the authority of God's Word. Here's another one. There will be intense conviction of sin leading to repentance. What does the Holy Spirit do in revival? We get a lot of reports about the activity of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do when He is doing His greatest work? He told us in John chapter 16. He, the Holy Spirit, when He comes... He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit begins to put His finger on things that you otherwise would rationalize, justify, minimize, blame others for. But in seasons of revival, God intensifies The convicting work of the Holy Spirit personally to where you are and the little things that you have made compromises in, little things that don't seem near as big, things that you have covered for years, all of a sudden become very uncomfortable for you to live with. And the Holy Spirit begins to bring conviction even in the little things. All of a sudden, every impure motive every desire for self-exaltation, every carefully concealed lustful thought, every exaggeration, every withheld act of love, every hidden agenda for revenge, every forsaken family responsibility, every act of disloyalty, every hypocrisy in my life all of a sudden is seen with a new horror and motivated by the sense that that sin is dragging me further and further away from a holy God, I call out to him and I say, awaken me. Bring me back. Do what only you can do. Purge me from this sin that is destroying my intimacy. That's what the Holy Spirit does in seasons of revival. He convicts and he brings us to repentance. That is the sign of genuine revival. Number three, humility and brokenness will be evident. Humility is, a hum- is an attitude that says, I cannot do anything without God. I can't love my wife without God. I can't raise my children without God. I can't respond to my parents without God. I can't do my work without God. I can't keep a good attitude without God. I can't stop looking at pornography without God. The humility that says, I am utterly dependent upon a work of God, that's humility. And then brokenness is the shattering of a person's self-will so that every response is under the will of God. A daily breaking, not being wounded, but being broken so that I respond every time God speaks to me in His Word. That's brokenness. That's always evident in revival. Number four, there will be deliberate acts of reconciliation and restitution. That means that what God is doing in our lives vertically is going to spill over into our lives relationally. All of a sudden, you can't remain bitter and unforgiving toward the person that hurt you. All of a sudden, that person that you wronged, cheated from, stole from, that person that you were belligerent to, that person that you've slandered and gossiped about, now all of a sudden you can't live with yourself. You've got to go make that relationship right. All of a sudden, husbands and wives are at a different level of intimacy. There's so many times people come for marriage counseling and we do marriage counseling and and we'll give you counsel, but so many times I want to say, you don't need counseling. You need revival. You just need to repent and do the things you already know to do. And so you come to me for counseling, and I'll just tell you, repent. I mean, it makes short counseling sessions, but I'm a horrible counselor because I just think you know what you're supposed to do. It's not a lack of information. You just won't obey. And yet in seasons of revival... All of a sudden, you find a new motivation to do what you know you're supposed to do. Number five, there will be a growing interest in prayer. Instead of the pastor having to guilt you into coming to a prayer meeting, it will be the place you will want to be because the presence of God is so rich and all of a sudden those prayers are being answered and you're seeing the answers to those prayers who wouldn't want to be in that environment. Number six, joy will be pure and overflowing. Does it surprise you joy is part of revival? It is. Psalm 85 verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? When God begins to revive His work, it brings joy to His people. Let me read to you the front page headline of the Denver Post dated January the 20th. Here's what it says. Entire city pauses for prayer. At the high tide of business as the soul rises above worldly thoughts. Remarkable outburst of the gospel sentiment provoked by revival cause a hush to spread over the population while noonday prayer meetings draw congregations unprecedented in numbers. Denver Post, front page headline, January 20th, 1905. For two hours at midday, all of Denver was held in a spell. The marts of trade were deserted between noon and two o'clock this afternoon, and all worldly affairs were forgotten. The entire city was given over to the meditation of higher things. The Spirit of the Almighty pervaded every nook. Going to and coming from the great meetings thousands of men and women radiated the spirit which fell on them and the clear colorado sunshine was made brighter by the reflected glow of the light of god shining from happy faces happy fa- happy christians who would have thought that you could be a christian and be happy in seasons of revival that's what god does Seldom has such a remarkable sight been witnessed an entire city in the middle of a busy work day, bowing before the throne of heaven and asking and receiving the blessings of the King of the universe. Have you heard? Have you heard what God does in revival? Do you long for Him to do it again in our day? What if next Sunday morning you open the front page of the South Bend Tribune to find out that God was doing today what He did over a hundred years ago in Denver? Would you be a part of it? Here's the last thing. Evangelism and missions will flourish. You say, Trent, I thought you said evangelism was not revival. Oh, it's not. But guess what happens when God revives His church? It spills over so that we no longer are in love with ourselves. We're concerned about those who don't know Christ and we get over the fear of rejection and we go out boldly to share the good news of Jesus with others because it has made such an impact on us. And as a result of the new purity in our lives and the new passion in our lives, they see something in us. They've never seen a church that is actually different a church that has power, a church that is, that is holy, and something that this lost world wants, and they believe.
1: God raised up the biblical prophet Habakkuk to stir God's people towards revival. Habakkuk's prayer was, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh, Lord, do I fear? Today, Pastor Trent has challenged us to pray that same prayer, to awaken our own need for God's work in and among us. I hope that you've been encouraged. Well, thanks for listening today to resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. We'd like to invite you to visit us for one of our weekend worship services, Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. My prayer is that God's word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Join us again next week at this same time. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.